podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL roundtable feed. So just search EPL roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Wednesday, the 17th of March. Hope you're all keeping well. Good weather again today, so I'm in a better mood. Uh, one oversight from yesterday, probably many oversights, but one that's been pointed out to me by Guy. There's actually four teams going down in France this season. So as things stand, uh, Nantes would also go down along with Ajeco, Troyes and Angers. Three games left. Nantes and Augsburg, it's basically going to be one of those two. If it is Nantes, someone will get a bargain on Albin Lafont there. So, so that could be interesting. The reason there's four going down 
is that they're moving to an 18-team league, similar to the Bundesliga. So four will go down and two will come up. As things stand, Le Havre look dead set to come up. They have 71 points with three games left, five points clear of Bordeaux. More importantly, six points clear of Metz. Bordeaux are one point ahead of Metz. It is one of those two who will join Le Havre in the top flight next season. So best of luck to both sides over their next three games. While we're looking at the second divisions, we might as well take a look at some of the other second divisions. Um, In Germany, it's still all to play for with two games left. Darmstadt are top, 64 points. Heidenheim, or Heidenheim maybe, are second on 61. And Hamburg are third on 60. Two will come up and one will go into the playoff to play the third team, third bottom team in the Bundesliga at the moment. That's Schalke. So as things stand, Darmstadt and Heidenheim will come up 64 points and 61 points respectively. Hamburg have 60. They would play Schalke, which is a fairly titanic battle for a spot in the Bundesliga. That's two of the biggest clubs in the land uh, facing off for a spot in next year's Bundesliga. Uh, Paderborn potentially could still get Paderborn, St. Pauli and Dusseldorf potentially could still get third spot. They can't go any higher than that. So if Hamburg lose and any of those teams win each of their last two games would go to goal difference. As things stand, Paderborn have a better goal difference. And if they were to win two and Hamburg were to lose two, they would obviously keep that better goal difference and they would go into that playoff. St. Pauli and Dusseldorf would need big results in both directions to catch the goal difference gap there. Uh, in Serie B, Frosinone are coming up. One game left, 77 points. They are confirmed as up. Genoa are coming up and Barry are coming up. So that, I think it's, I don't think there's playoffs. Let me just see. I better check before I say it, and it's not, because I have a tendency to be wrong about these things, so don't pay enough attention. And da, 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 da. Yes, there is playoffs. So uh, Frosinone are up and Genoa are up, and as, as things stand, how it would work is Cagliari will play Palermo. That's fifth versus eighth. And Parma would face Venezia. That's sixth versus seventh. And the winners of those two games would go forward. One would play Barry. I'm guessing it's Cagliari versus Palermo would play Barry. Although maybe it's the other one. I don't really know. Um, and yeah, uh, Tyrol would play the other. So we could potentially get Parma back up in Syria, which would be great. Love to see them back up. Gigi Buffon has signed on for the year. Barry, I mean, the only thing I remember about them is that that's where David Platt went. And they have a stadium that was built for the 1990 World Cup that at the time was state of the art. It was renovated last year because it had fallen into a state of disrepair. 
But I don't really know much more about the club than that. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens if they come. They have produced some good young players over the years. Um, Zambrata came through there. Conte was manager there for a while as well. So, um, Cagliari versus Palermo. That one has that one has the potential to be fairly feisty. That's Sardinia versus Sicily. So we'll see what happens. And then Venezia have some of the best kits in Europe. So again, they they'd be a nice team to see come up. But I'm very happy that Genoa have gotten themselves promoted. And it's always nice when you know you get promoted and your local stadium sharing rival gets relegated, which is the case this year in the city of Genoa with Sampdoria being relegated. In the Secunda division in Spain, let's have a look and see. Uh, as things stand, Granada are top. They play 42 games in this league. Granada are top. Uh, one point clear of Las Palmas, who are two points clear of Alves and Ibar. And then Levante are one point behind them. So only three points separating first and fifth with two games still to play. Two teams will come up automatically. At the moment, it would be Granada and Las Palmas. And then four teams will go into a playoff to define the other team that will come up from there. So that's all very exciting. Right. I wanted to have a look today at the City Football Group, because obviously we know that Manchester City have had exceptional success under this ownership. Um, We know the reasons why. There's no point in getting into them. But I thought I'd have a look and see how the other teams under their stewardship are doing. So they own New York City FC. They've been successful. They won the Supporter Shield in 2017 and 2019. That's when you top the regular season table. And they won the MLS Cup, which is the playoffs in 2021. So they've had success. Credit to them. Melbourne City FC, they've also had success. They've won the Premiership, which again, I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that's where you top out the regular season. Uh, They've done that three times in a row. And they've won the Championship once, which was in 2021. And again, I believe that's the playoffs. Yes, it is the playoffs. So credit to them. They've had success with both clubs. They own Yokohama F. Marinos. And they, under City's ownership, have won two J-League titles, 2019 and 2022. They bought the club in 2014 and have done very, very well there. So that's three where they've had success. Montevideo City Torque. uh, They've won the Secunda Division twice in recent years. 
in 2017 and 2019. And City Football Group had acquired them in 2017. So they've had success there. Girona. Girona are in La Liga. They're not likely to ever win La Liga, but being in La Liga alone is a decent achievement for a club of that size. They've got quite a few good players there, including a number who are on loan from City, obviously. And uh, to be fair, I think you'd have to class that one as a success. They own a team in China whose name I will not butcher. They bought them in 2019. They've been promoted into the top flight under City's ownership. And they seem to be doing... No, that's not the top flight, is it? No, it's the second level. They were a third division team when they took over. They're a second division team now. Um, To be fair, they've managed to stay in the division for a couple of years. So, you know, credit there. Uh, Mumbai City FC, they bought them in 2019, and they won the league championship in 2021. They won the premiership, which again, I I assume, I, I think I'm right in saying it's premiership is the league table, championship is the after the playoffs and the grand final. They've won that twice, 21 and 23. So again, to be fair, they've had success there. Uh, Lommel SK, club in Belgium, bought in 2020. And they are currently in the second division in Belgium. I think for them, success would be promotion to the top flight. Uh, notable, there are a number of players on loan here from other clubs within the City Football Group. Uh, Troyes, they were bought in 2020. At the time, they were a League Two team. They were promoted at the end of the first season, but they have been relegated this season and will go back to where they began. But We'll see how that pans out. Early days, still only a couple of years in. Palermo, that is the Italian club that they bought in July 2022. They're in Serie B. They're in the playoffs. Now, they were the last team to qualify for the playoffs. It's still early days. They're only a year into their ownership there. But you'd imagine we'll see uh, more players landing there from other City Football Group clubs and potentially we'll see them back in Syria in the near future. Maybe even this season. Maybe they get through the playoffs. And their most recent purchase in December, uh, a sports club Bahia in Brazil. They were bought, like I said, in November, in December. As yet, there's been no real impact on on them from from this ownership group but you'd expect that that is to come they play in the top flight so they haven't settled for anything less than uh, you know a, a top team they were promoted last season into the top division 
they've got themselves quite a spectacular stadium uh, that was built for the World Cup in 2014. And I would suggest that we'll probably see them have success. And, you know, when you look at it, that's a club where they will likely set a base for South American scouting and bring them in from other countries to that club because to play in Brazil, potentially play in the Copa Libertadores will make it a lot easier to qualify for a work permit in the UK under the Brexit rules. So any elite young talents that they can find in South America, they'll be able to filter through there. If they can't get them into England, obviously they've got the options of Palermo and Troyes and Lommel and Girona. And then, you know, they've got Asia cornered with Yokohama. They've got Australia. They've also got the second club in South American. Well, it was their first club in uh, Montevideo City. They've got North America with New York City. And then they've got um, kind of the Indian subcontinent with Mumbai City. To their credit, they have basically cornered the world, haven't they? Uh, I would expect we hear that they've bought a club in Africa over the next year or so. And then beyond that, we'll, we'll wait and see. But for now, the empire continues to grow. They're spread across Europe. They're spread across Asia. You can include Australia in that because obviously their teams compete in the Asian competitions. They're growing in South America. Now, they'll only get one shot, one team in North America, but well, one team in the US. But I wonder, could they buy a team in the Canadian Premier League and potentially the Liga MX, which it wouldn't surprise me if those are the if those are moves that they're planning. It is an incredible operation to give them their credit. It is an incredible operation. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. Whether it's good for football or not, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not the person to make that distinction. But they've very much said about making themselves as a group the most powerful group in football. Now, that can get you a lot. It'll get you a lot of success because you'll be able to spend money. And we know that these people can spend as much money as they want and, and it'll never, ever run out. But at the same time, will it ever... Will it ever, will it ever get you the type of respect that you seem to be looking for? City Football Group is owned 81% majority by Abu Dhabi United Group. 18% by an American firm called Silver Lake, and 1% is split between two Chinese firms. The Chinese Media Capital, or China Media Capital, I should say, and China International Trust Investment Corporation. So there's likely significant cash behind that as well. Yeah. Begrudgingly, I have to say, I am impressed. I'm going to take an early break, and when we come back, News gossip, and I have a little something up my sleeve. So I'll see you in a sec.
Right, welcome back. Just realised I didn't talk at all about last night's games. So, in the championship playoffs, Luton Town 2, Sunderland 0. Luton advanced 3-2 on aggregate. They are in the playoff final and congrats to them. Gabriel Osho put them one up on 10 minutes. Tom Lockyer made it two on 43. Sunderland had more of the ball, but Luton were absolutely deserving winners. I thought they were excellent. thought their pressing was really good. Their organisation was really good. They were such a threat from set pieces. I thought they were going to score every time they got one. That's a very, very good Luton team built on a shoestring. And they've earned themselves the right to compete for that spot in the Premier League. And I really want them to come up. Like, I really want Borough or Coventry up as well. But if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick Luton because I think it would mean more to them. It's been so long, over 30 years since they were in the top flight. It's a tiny stadium. It's a great story. Borough have been in the Premier League on multiple occasions for quite a bit of time. Coventry obviously were in the Premier League in the earlier days. If I had to pick between them two, I think I'd lean Coventry purely because of what their fans have been through over the last 15, 18 years. All the messing with the stadium and having to go and play in Northampton and Birmingham and places like that that weren't their home. And those fans still went and turned up every single week. So, you know, that would be a great story as well. Obviously, I've got a soft spot for Borough. I've talked about it before. I remember when they came up first. I remember the new stadium being opened. I remember them signing Nicky Barnby. And then the following season when they brought in Janino and Ravinelli. And it was just so well. Janino arrived midway through the first season. But it was just so exciting at the time to see these players land at Middlesbrough. Not at Liverpool or United or Arsenal or Villa or Everton or Spurs. Not at the big clubs. These were coming to Borough. And it was it was incredible. Like this was a club that really did dream big and obviously turned into a bit of a nightmare for them. But over the years, they've punched above the weight a couple of times. Uh, they managed to win some some silverware under Steve McLaren and they've had a better time of it. They've got a really good owner who's always been willing to put his hand in his pocket. They haven't had the hardships of Luton or Coventry or even Sunderland, to be fair. They've had a lot more stability about their club. Um, they've had some dreadful managers, but Michael Carrick does seem to be the real deal. So I'm, I'm easy with any of them, but I'd like, I'd, I'd like a Luton Coventry final. I would, I'd like a Luton Coventry final. If I have to pick, that's what I would go for. Uh, in the champions league last night, obviously we have, we have Borough Coventry tonight, the second leg there, nil, nil in the first leg. This one is up at Borough. So, advantage to the home team but maybe Coventry can can spring an upset in the Champions League Inter Milan qualified for their first European Cup final since they won it under Jose Mourinho a 1-0 win Latoura Martinez with the only goal a game which Inter were clearly the better team Nicola Barella was unbelievable again the guy is just such a special player Rafael Leao came back after missing the first leg and just didn't have the magic that they were hoping for. I don't know how Junior Messias plays for them, and I don't know how he starts for them. When you look at that Inter team, 
Onana's good. Bastoni is excellent. Like, absolutely excellent. Acerbi is decent. But Matteo Darmian as a centre-back? Denzel Dumfries is good. DeMarco, I've really come to like this season. Barella, Chalonoglu and Mkhitaryan as a midfield three. Near a defensive presence to be found. Now, they do obviously have Brozovic on the bench and he might, he'll probably start the final. Gagliardini can also play in a defensive role. But it's a very attack-minded midfield. It's very, very Simone and Zaghi. And then Latour Martinez and Ed and Jacko up front. Martinez is outstanding and Jacko is an old master. Off the bench, they can bring Lukaku and Joaquin Correa, which is strong. You know, they've got they've got good players there. But I just don't see them being able to stop either Real or City in the final. And then you look at that AC Milan team, and Mike Mannion is excellent. Calabria, I'm not a big fan of. I think if you're looking to replace somebody, it's him. Kalulu would be the one for me. He's already in the squad. He's really good. I'd be getting him in at right back. I know Calabria's been captain, but still. Malik Tio, I think, has huge upside. Fikayo Tamori, I think, is really good. And Teo Hernandez is outstanding. In midfield, I mean, Sandro Tanali is very good. But Krunic, average. Average. And I know they're missing Benister last night. But still. Messias, below average. Brahim Diaz, average. Rafael Leo is outstanding. And Ali Giroud up front. And then when you look at the bench, there's not a whole lot there that's going to come on and change the game. Origi. Depends on if he knows there's a game going on. Salamakers, I'm not a, a big fan of. Uh, Anti Rebic, I do like, but he's never really sparked at Milan. Um, the Catelier just hasn't hasn't worked this season at all. So um, back to the drawing board for Milan. Wouldn't be surprised if there's a change of manager for Milan this season. Uh, they're not going to be in the Champions League as things stand. They are fifth in in La Liga. Sorry, in in La Liga in Syria, and I just don't know that I'd back them to get into that top four. They're four points behind Lazio with three games left. I think, if anything, it's more likely that they finish sixth or seventh than getting fourth. It wouldn't surprise me if they change managers because you think back a couple of years, they were going to change manager. And then they made an about turn and decided that rather than kind of blowing up what they were doing, they would stick with Stefano Pioli. Now, he did deliver a league title, which was an outstanding achievement, but it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to move on from him. There's been a couple of occasions where it looked like they were going to sack him. I think now might be the time to do it. This has been a fairly poor season for Milan. Tonight, obviously, Real Madrid away to Manchester City. They're in the hunt for what would be a sixth Champions League win for many of these players. City will be favourites, and I think rightly so. They're at home, they're on this great run, but they haven't lost in a long time, and eventually all runs come to an end. And if there's one team that could go there and beat them, Real Madrid in the Champions League. And I'm picking Real Madrid because, like I said, until they're out... That's who I'm going to pick. 
Same thing with Golden State. Golden State are gone now, so my pick to win it all is Denver. Just in case anyone was wondering, I think we're looking at a Denver-Boston final. Looking forward to game one of Celtics Heat tonight. Game one of Nuggets-Lakers was interesting. Jokic, uh, Jokic dominated. Denver toyed with the Lakers at times and then just seemed to stop playing in the second half, but were always able to pull ahead whenever they needed to. Anytime the Lakers got too close... They just pulled ahead. Now, credit to the Lakers. They kept playing and got it to three with two minutes left or whatever it was. But then the Nuggets just you know, pulled ahead a little bit and won by six. At different points in that game, they were up 18. They were up 19, I think, at one point. So, yeah, it was it was the Nuggets' game to lose that would have been the case. And I don't think the Lakers can get 40 more points out of Anthony Davis in another game. So, I think they might have had their shot. They got near a triple-double from from LeBron as well. So I I don't know why I've gone off topic and I'm talking about the NBA. But if anyone's wondering, I'm picking the Nuggets to beat the Lakers probably in six, maybe in five. I'm picking the Celtics to beat the Heat in six, maybe seven, but I'll go six. And then I'm picking the Nuggets over the Celtics in the finals. Anyway, I'm picking Real Madrid to beat Manchester City. I'm picking Real Madrid to win the Champions League this year. It would not in any way surprise me if City won. Because City should win. City are the better team. They should win. But Real Madrid in the Champions League is Real Madrid in the Champions League. And I saw everybody write them off last season. Time and time again, I saw everybody write them off. And they went on on and won it. And I just think when you've got that winning mentality and you've got that winning DNA... You've got to have that respect for that team. They're they're a machine. They're a machine in this competition. Um, <clears throat> right. We know that Southampton are down. So what I thought I'd do was go through their squad and look at who I think they should sell. Not who I th- not who I think they will sell, but who I think they should sell. We'll just go numerically. So we'll start with Alex McCarthy. I wouldn't mind keeping him as a backup goalkeeper. Kyle Walker-Peters is a good fullback, but he's too good for the championship in all likelihood. He's not going to want to play there. He's a player that can bring in a decent fee. I think you'll probably find $20 million for him on the open market. His ability to play both fullback spots will be appealing to a lot of clubs. So he's won. That you sell. Lyanko. He's been so poor this season. I think you'd have to move him on. Now, the one thing I will give him credit for is he really seemed to care. He really did seem to care. If he's happy enough to stay as a squad player... I might do that because, like I say, he, he actually gives a shit and a lot of the others didn't. Uh, Duja Coletta Carr, I think I'd move on because I think he's got, he's still going to have decent value. So I think you'd move him on. Joe Arebo, I think in the championship, he'll be much better suited. The Premier League was a, a, a level too high for Joe Arebo. Good player, not quite good enough at the Premier League level. But showed what he was capable of when he was at Rangers. And I do think in the championship, uh, he can be a a good squad player. Ward-Prowse, you sell, you get the best fee you can and you move on. 
Adam Armstrong is a proven goal scorer in the championship, and he's still only 26. His last championship season, he scored 28 goals in 40 games. The season before that, he got 16 and 46. So he is a proven championship goal scorer, and therefore I'd be inclined to keep him. Che Adams, again, he's only 26. He's proven in the championship. He scored 22 goals in 46 games in his last season there for Birmingham. Now, the question is, what is his contract situation? He's been at Saints now since 2019. Che Adams, here we go. Contract till 2024, I think you sell him and move on. With only one year left, I think you have to sell him and move on. Mislav Orsic hasn't really featured since joining in January, but did only join in January. And I think you'd just keep him because he obviously has had some injuries. He's a very good player. I think he could be very valuable to you in the championship. Paul Onoachu, again, only joined in January. Now, I don't know what his contract situation will be with regards to relegation release clause or anything. But I'd be inclined to keep him. Unless you can get a good loan, I'd be inclined to keep him. Uh, Willie Caballero, if he's willing to stick around another year, you probably just keep him as your third choice keeper. He's been there a few years. He's very well liked. I'd be inclined to keep him. Uh, James Bree, brought in by Nathan Jones in January from Luton. He is a proven commodity in the championship and he'd be fine to keep as a backup right back. Roman Perot, I like. I think he's a decent left back. He's had some injury issues. If he's willing to stay, I think you keep him. Sekumara is an easy keep. Musa Gineppo, very talented, has never really found a way to put it together for Southampton. He's contracted till 2025, so I think he still has some decent value. I think you sell. Camaldine Sulemana, easy keep. Tino Livramento, easy keep. Mohamed Salisu, I don't like his attitude. I'd be looking to sell. I get him out the door and I get a good fee. I think you'll get a good fee in for him. Samuel Odozi, absolutely a keep. Very, very talented young winger. Absolutely someone you'd want to have moving forward. Mohamed El Yanusi, talented but frustrating. I think he's someone that you move on this summer. Um, he's likely on a decent wage. I would doubt he has a relegation release clause given when he was signed in 2018. I don't think they were really considering the possibility. He's actually, to be fair, he's actually had a contract this summer. So you just let him go. You let him go and you move on. Carlos Alcaraz, easy keep. Ibrahima Diallo, I'd keep. Juan Larios, I'd keep. Gavin Basunu, I'd keep. I had some idiot tell me the other day that the, that the main reason Southampton went down is because they stuck with Basunu too long. And he tried to point me towards some statistics that proved absolutely nothing other than the fact that he played behind a train wreck of a defence. 
Fantastic stuff. Uh, Theo Walcott, I would let go. Uh, he, he might be willing to stay and help you in the championship, but for me, it, I just, I've never been a big fan. Jan Bednarak, sell him as quickly as possible. Uh, Bella Kocha by keep. Dino Simeo, young defender they brought in from Chelsea. I would keep him. I would keep him. I think he's very talented. Romeo Lavia is an easy keep. Will Smallbone, I think, is worth keeping. I think he can do a job in the championship. I think he's proven that. Nathan Teller, well, he showed this season he can do a job in the championship. So I'd be inclined to keep him. 17 goals in 19 games for Burnley. I'd be inclined to keep him. Uh, Jack Stevens, I'd probably keep him around, assuming he's still in contract. Uh, not good enough for the Premier League, in my view. But 29 years of age, been at the club a long, long time. I think he could be someone that could be beneficial in the championship. He is contracted for the year, so I would keep him. Uh, who else do we have? Thierry Small. Really talented young left back that they got in from Everton. And if Perot were to leave, I'd be happy to keep him. If not, I'd loan him and let him continue to develop. Matthias Liz, young Polish goalkeeper, spent the season on loan with Troyes. I would probably loan him again. I think that's probably the best move for him. And Dan Enlundalu spent the year on loan at Bolton. I'd say he's probably just not quite cut out for the level that we're looking for. Uh, he's a forward player who in four, three successive seasons in the championship. Uh, yeah, three successive seasons on loan. Sorry, three successive seasons on loan in League One. Uh Two goals in 20, four goals in 23, and one goal in 14. So uh, I would say potentially potentially let him go on loan again or sell him if you can. So I, I, like, I do think there's a really good squad to go down with here. You've got your goalkeeper. I think you've got your starting fullbacks. You've got one starting centre-back in Bella Kotchup, so you want to bring in another centre-back. In midfield, you've got Lavia, you've got Diallo, you've got Alcaraz. That's your starting midfield. You don't need to do anything there. Sulemana and Sekumaro would be starting attackers for me. So I'm looking for one up top. And maybe in the championship, that can be Adam Armstrong. But I'm looking for a centre-back and a striker. And then I probably need a couple more things to flush out the squad. But, you know, if I keep Leanku and I keep uh, Jack Stevens, then they're my backup centre-backs. I keep Simeon, so I've got a fifth centre-back. I've got good backup full-backs because James Bree is good enough at that level. And I've got Larios to back up Perot at left-back. I've got my goalkeeper and my backups, so I don't need to do anything there. In midfield, I've got Orsic, who'd be my backup for Alcaraz. I'm probably looking to bring in 
one more in midfield because I've got Will Smallbone. I'm probably looking to bring in one more. And then I've got Nathan Teller and Adozi as my backups to Sulemana and um Sulemana and Mara. And I've got Onoachu as my backup nine, or I've got Armstrong as my backup nine. So really and truly, I think if you could find a young striker to bring in, a a, a goal scorer, someone who's just gonna get you goals, doesn't have to do much else. If he can press and he can score you a goal, get him. And as a centre-back, I'm looking for something, someone who's a calming presence. Someone who can just kind of organise the defence. If I could get Nathan Collins on loan from Wolves for a year, I'd do that. I don't know if Wolves would be interested in doing that. Maybe you could send them Ward-Prowse. You take him. Maybe you just see if they'll do that as a swap deal. You take Ward-Prowse, we'll take Collins. But they'll need to make up the shortfall from being relegated. I think you probably get $20 million for Walker-Peters. I miss Joe Arebo as well, so I'd have him. There's another a good option to have in the championship. Um, I think you get $20 million for Walker-Peters. Let's say 10 for Coletta Carr. I think you'll get 30 for Ward-Prowse, so there's 60. Adams, I think, maybe brings you 10. So that's 70. Ar- Stuart Armstrong, I missed him somehow. I, I, I'd move him on as well. I'd move him on as well. You maybe get 5 million for him. 75. Salisu, I think, brings... 30 million easy, so there's 105. Um, Elianasi's out of contract. Bednarak, maybe five, so there's 100 and maybe, maybe 10. We'll say five. There's 110 million that we've made through sales, and I think I've got a good enough squad to come back up if I get goal scorer and centre back. Now, maybe I can find the centre-back I want in the championship. I I really like Jacob Greaves of Hull City. I think he's a very good defender. Left-footed, very calm on the ball, reads the game well. He's very young, though. He is only 22, so I don't know if he has that leadership on a regular enough basis, but I think I've I've watched Hull and I've seen him organising that defence. The other thing I like about him is he doesn't really get hurt. Plays every game. So I'd be inclined to to go for him. If I could get him for, I don't know, 15 million maybe. So now I've got about a 95 million net spend and then try and find that striker. I don't know who that's going to be, but again, if I can get someone in that kind of 15 million range. I mean, the ideal, the perfect fit is Victor Gjorkerez, but he's going to be in the Premier League next season. So is there another striker out there that would maybe fit? If Leicester go down, could I get Pats and Daka off them for about 15 million? I know it hasn't worked at Leicester. But I know Pats and Daka can score goals, and I know he can press. 
those are the two things that I'm sure of is that he can get me goals and that he'll work hard. He hasn't, it hasn't worked at Leicester because they've been asking him to do things he's not capable of doing. But his last two seasons at Red Bull Salzburg, 27 and 45, 34 and 42. If I get him for 15 million, if I got him and Jacob Greaves, I think that's my team complete. And I've got about an 80 million net profit, which makes up the shortfall of being out of the top flight. And I think I've got a good enough squad in terms of depth to cope with injuries in a 40 game, 46 game season. So Guy has asked me who I would go for as manager. So I'm, I've obviously appointed myself as the, the sporting director, so to speak. Um, it's a good question. I, I really like Kieran McKenna, but I don't think uh, he's going to be willing to leave. Um, I don't think he's going to be willing to leave Ipswich after the season that they've just had. So he's given me the odds here for people to take over. So we'll go in reverse order and I'll tell you why they're bad choices. Uh, Chris Wilder. I mean, do you know what it is? I just don't think his personality would play well on the South Coast. Uh, Graham Potter, if I could convince Graham Potter to take a championship job, I would do so. But I don't think he would. Nuno Espirito Santo, I want no part of. Wayne Rooney is not a good manager. Steven Gerrard is a really bad manager. Scott Parker is a bad manager. Ruben Sellers isn't qualified to manage a sandwich shop. Russell Martin is not someone I'm a huge fan of. I, I think he does play decent football. I just don't think he gets good results. And I really don't want Patrick Vieira. I just... Well, I mean, to, to his credit, he did a good job at Palace in giving young players opportunities. So maybe, maybe Vieira is an option. But, I mean, this, I, I'd like somebody different. I'll be honest. I'd like somebody different. Um, I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from John Eustace in terms of how the team played at Birmingham, but obviously results matter and the results were not particularly good. Could I tempt Mark Robbins out of Coventry if they don't come up? I really like what Mark Robbins has done there. And at this point now, he's been there six years. If I could tempt him, I think I'd try that. I do think I'd try Mark Robbins. I've been impressed by what I've seen from him. Um, Rob Edwards would have been on my shortlist, but he's not going to leave Luton at this point. Outside of that, there's no one else in the championship that really. Carlos Corberon, I think, is is very very good. Um, I, yeah, you could try and go back in for Jesse Marsh. You know that is definitely something 
that you could try and see if he would have an interest in in taking the job in the championship. But the problem I have is that I need results because the longer you stay there, the less chance you have of keeping the um, keeping the players that you've got. You know, you otherwise we're going to start selling more players, and that's not really a dance that I want to start. Um, let me see. Do you know who did a good job this year was Michael Duff at Barnsley. Previously, he did a pretty good job at Cheltenham. His team play decent football as well. So Michael Duff would be an option. Ian Evatt, young manager at Bolton. Um, I've been really impressed by what I've seen from him. Took Bolton up from League Two into League One, had them in has them in the playoffs again this year. Yeah, Ian Evatt might be interesting. I think there's good balance to his team. He sets his team up really well defensively. Ian Evatt could be could be an interesting one. And Michael Duff could be an interesting one. They'd be two I'd definitely kick the tires on. Duff's team probably play more exciting football. But Evatt's team, I, I like the way he organizes them. So yeah, they're they're the two I'd look at. I know it's a step up for them, but I don't think they'd be too scared, would they? Uh, right, we will start. I'm going to do that for the teams that go down, Leicester and Leeds as well. Or it could be Everton, it could be Forest. Um, we'll do that for, for whoever goes down, and it might just be a bit of fun. Uh, right. Qatari banker Sheikh Jassim has made another improved offer for Manchester United. Uh, this one is nearer to five billion, uh, which means that he's still valuing valuing the club at less than Jim Radcliffe. Um, it's unusual that he's made another bid here. It's it's getting funny at this point. Um, they said they were going to have the club sold in the first quarter. Um, the season ends in a couple of weeks. There's still no clarity. And I just don't see that the Glazers will be willing to to spend any money until the club is sold. So what if this drags on until September? Which wouldn't wouldn't be a surprise because the bidding process started what January. This could drag on another couple of months, and United may have no summer at all. Uh, Wilfred Zaha may have played his last game for Crystal Palace. He is set to miss. Their last two games after picking up a hamstring injury against Bournemouth. Second injury in the last few weeks for Wilf. What a shame. I hope that's not the way he goes out. I would love him to sign his new deal and stay there. I'm a, I'm, I've, I have become a big Wilf Zaha fan over the last few years. I didn't used to, didn't used to like him at all, but I've become a big fan. I'd love him to stay there because... I just think it would be great if he played at his career there. I, I know he's probably drawn the chance to win stuff. Probably wants to test himself in the Champions League and whatever. And that's fine. And I fully support that. But I, it would be great to see him stay there and, you know, have a statue built for himself when he's done. 
But he could end up anywhere. He could go to a Premier League club. I know there's a few looking at him. He could end up at Marseille. He could end up in Spain, the Bundesliga. He's a he's a really good player. Um, Leonardo Benucci, the Italian and Juventus legend, says he will retire at the end of next season. He made his 500th appearance against Sevilla last week in the Europa League. He is 36 years of age now, and what a career. I mean, this is a real success story. He came through at a club called Vitor Bese, who I've never heard of. Inter Milan picked him up, sent him on a couple of loans to Treviso and Pisa, sold him to Genoa, decided he wasn't good enough, They put him on the scrap heap. He ends up going to Barry. And again, I mentioned Barry earlier. This is another another Barry player. At Barry, him and Andrea Ranocchia played as a centre-back pairing and were absolutely sensational together. And that made his career. He went to Juve in 2010. He was... 23 years of age. He'd been written off a couple of times. He went on to establish himself as one of the best defenders in the world. Obviously had that ill-fated move to Milan. There were personal reasons behind that, which thankfully have seemingly resolved themselves. Um, And he's gone back to Juve. And look, Juve have fallen off and he's fallen off, obviously, at his age. But what a career. What a career. 120 caps for the national team. Eight goals, obviously the biggest goal of his career came in the in the final against England. With Inter, he won technically won a league title, even though Inter didn't actually win the league title that year. Um with Juve, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight league titles, four Coppa Italias, five Super Cups, and two-time Champions League runner-up. He is a European Championship winner. With Italy, he was also runner-up in 2012. He made the FIFA Pro World Eleven twice. He made the Serie A Team of the Year four times. Should have been a lot more than that. His partnership with Benucci is legendary. The trio of Barzagli, Bonucci and Cellini is legendary. The understanding with Buffon. Think about it. Buffon played behind them. He also played behind Turam and Cannavaro. It's a long Buffon. And, Bu- and, and, and Buffon is still playing. Um, yeah, what, what, a, what a career Bonucci had. He, he will be missed. A, a, a genuinely outstanding defender. Um... Fabrizio Romano is reporting that Mr. Alemany of Barcelona, who was expected to go to Aston Villa, Romano reported that he was going to Aston Villa, ready to accept an important offer. He'd been presented with the project. He's now staying at Barcelona, which should be a surprise to nobody. Uh, Journalists are saying that Kevin De Bruyne Kevin De Bruyne, I don't, I don't know which his name is, uh, needs a defining moment in the Champions League. Um, I, I think that would be 
that would be strange to suggest. I, I think he's had plenty of defining moments personally. Don't think he needs to prove anything to anybody. Uh, Pep Guardiola says his legacy is already outstanding. That's that's uh, probably a fair comment. Following Balogun, the young Arsenal striker, has decided to switch his international allegiance from the USA to Eng- sorry, from England to the USA. Uh, this is great for the USA because they desperately needed a goal scorer. And he is a goal scorer. Um, for Formula One fans, breaking news, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix has been called off this weekend because of major flooding in the region. So, yeah. Max Verstappen has said he supports the decision to call the race off. Our thoughts about all those affected by the severe rainfall and flooding. Uh, this must be a region in Ireland. It has to be. Only only we get this type of wet. But, yeah. So, if you're a Formula One fan, no Grand Prix for you this weekend, I'm afraid. Uh, Nottingham Forest have been fined for pitch invasion against Sheffield United last season. So, after their playoff semi-final win over Sheffield United... Forest fans rushed onto the pitch and they have now been fined 50 grand. A Forest season ticket holder was jailed for headbutting Billy Sharp and also given a 10-year football banning order. That should be a lifetime banning order. It should be a lifetime banning order. I'd love to know how it took them an entire year to give them a 50 grand fine. And half of it has been suspended for a year as well. Barely a slap on the wrist. Barely a slap on the wrist. That's ludicrous. Uh, last thing we'll do. There is a pick a combined Real Madrid-Manchester United 11. So, goalkeeper is Thibaut Courtois. It's not debatable. Right back. There's not a good right back between the two clubs. I'm going to put Eder Militao there. I'm going to go with Ruben Diaz. And David Alaba. And I'm going to pick Nathan Aki at left back. So Courtois, Militao, Diaz, Alaba, Aki. Midfield, this is tough. Midfield is tough. I'm going to put Rodri in. He's the better holding midfielder right now. So we're going to put him in. KDB obviously gets in. And I think I'm going to go with Federico Valverde. Just over Modric. Can I... Oh, I can change the formation. Oh, that's what I'll do. I'll change the formation. No, I can't because I want three in attack. Um... I've got to, I've got to put Benzema in. I've got to put Haaland in, obviously, and Vinicius is obvious. So what we're actually going to do, we are going to change it to a four-four-two, four-four-two. Uh, we're going to swap Benzema out there. Right. So what we end up with. Is, is, there is we have 
Thibaut Courtois in goal. Militao, Diaz, Alaba, Aki as a back four. We'll go KDB right side of the midfield. Rodri and Valverde in the middle of the park. And Vinicius Jr. on the left. And then Haaland and Benzema up front. That is that is an outrageous team. Now, the defence could use work, admittedly. But that midfield attack are ridiculous. So that's what we're going to go with. And we're going to finish on the gossip. Paris Saint-Germain football advisor, Luis Campos, has met with Harry Kane's representatives about the possibility of signing the England captain. I do think Mbappe would adore playing with Harry Kane. Uh, Real Madrid want to sign Kylian Mbappe, Alfonso Davies and Jude Bellingham this summer. (laughs) Come on. Jesus Christ. Come on now. Let's have a little bit. Let's have a little bit of common sense and cop on. They're not going to sign all of them this summer. They might sign. They might sign Alfonso Davies, though. Don't rule that out. Don't rule out Alfonso Davies going to Real Madrid. If they get him and Jude, though, they'll have to sell probably Chiuameni. Probably Chiuameni. Barcelona want to re-sign Messi and Neymar. They might as well bring back Suarez as well while they're at it. Uh, Feyenoord are set to offer Arnie Slot a new contract to fend off interest from Tottenham. I don't fancy your chances of keeping him. Arsenal and Barcelona are interested in Ilkay Gundogan, who wants longer than a one-year deal to stay at Manchester City. I think City would be mad to let him go. If, the, if, he, if he'll stay on a two- or three-year deal, just give it to him. He's not the type that'll age badly because he plays the game in his head. He doesn't doesn't matter if he starts to decline physically. Uh, Bayern Munich are open to selling Sadio Mane are, are, and are unlikely to turn Joao Cancelo's loan move into a permanent deal. That's because it's a sixty million it's a sixty million option for a guy not worth half that at this point. Bayer Leverkusen are in advanced talks to sign Granit Jack. I think that's a horrible move for them. I really do. Uh, Tottenham are considering David Rea as a replacement for Hugo Lloris, who is going to leave the club at the end of the season. Roma's England forward Tammy Abraham says Rhys James has told him to return to Stamford Bridge. They've been friends a long time, I assume that's part of the reason. Tammy would be would be a good fit there. He'd be a competent number nine to go with what they've got in that squad. And he don't think he cost they've got a buyback on him, so maybe just do that. Maybe that solves your striker problems. Um Brighton are expected to sign Mo Dehoud, who is at a contract in the summer. Leeds must avoid relegation to have a chance of bringing James Milner back to the club. Tottenham's list of candidates for the sporting director role includes Tim Steeten, who I mentioned yesterday, Brentford's Lee Dykes, and Roma's Thiago Pinto. Burnley manager Vincent Company is keen on Arsenal and Belgian midfielder Sambi Lacongo. Lacongo, rather. Um, I, I could see him, yeah, I could see him fitting in there. Chelsea are interested in Lyon's USA midfielder Katarina Macario and PSG's 27-year-old Canadian defender Ashley Lawrence with Pernell Harder and Magdalena Eriksson set to leave the club and join Bayern Munich in the summer. So there you go. That's all I've got. Take care of yourselves. Have a good evening. Enjoy the games. Borough versus Coventry. City versus Real. Both of them 8pm kickoffs. 
going going Coventry and Real, the two away teams to win. Last night the two home teams won. Tonight we're hoping the two away teams win. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Podcast Network.